0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo, I'm the director of AGLCA, Today our guest is Scott Draper, and Scott is a lobbyist that the Bowdoin community engaged to help us fight the unfair anchoring laws that just took effect in January in Georgia. And we've got some great news to report on that front. So before I bring in Scott, as always, I would like to take a moment to recognize and thank our admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Benito, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Scott Draper, thank you so much for joining me on Great Loop Radio today. We're happy to have you. Good morning, Cam. We're particularly happy to have you because we have some great news to share about um, the, the fix, so to speak, to last year's kind of um, not boating friendly legislation. So we'll, we'll jump into that topic in just a moment. But first, um, since most of our listeners probably haven't come across you before, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in the lobbying effort on this voting issue.
1: Okay, Kim. Well, I recently retired from Georgia Power Company after a 40-year career. My last 16 years at Georgia Power were spent representing the legislative interests of Georgia Power there at the state capitol. While at the capitol, I was involved in passing legislation dealing with nuclear financing nuclear security and uh, other environmental related issues. But the largest percentage of my time was spent playing defense, just keeping things from happening to us, much like House Bill 201 happened to the recreational voting community last year. Early in my experience at the Capitol, I met Jack White, who was a state representative from Blue Ridge, Georgia. And shortly after I met Jack, he left the world of Georgia politics to pursue other interests. And I never really heard from Jack again until about three weeks ago. Eight, uh, b 833 was introduced at the beginning of this session and was just sitting there with no traction. And I think Jack's experience as a state representative helped him realize that if there was any hope of passing that bill, that he would need to find somebody with legislative experience that would help shepherd it through the system. So uh, Jack found my profile on Facebook, and he reached out to ask if I would be willing to help.
0: Well, and, and help you did. Um, and... Some of our listeners, if you've listened on a regular basis, you may have recall hearing Jack White on one of our episodes talking about HB 201, which passed the Georgia um, legislature last year. The General Assembly uh, pretty much very quickly and somewhat quietly passed HB 201. And just as a recap... The bill gave DNR some very widespread power to decide where boaters could anchor. It gave them the the ability to uh, require permits to anchor for even one night in Georgia. And it also um, had some measures that upset some boaters regarding uh, the discharge of Sewage, um, which is illegal any place if it's untreated sewage within U.S. waters. um, Unless you're three miles out, in most places, uh, you can't discharge untreated sewage. Um, The Environmental Protection Act allows for some no discharge zones, which takes a step further and says you cannot discharge treated sewage georgia doesn't qualify to have a no discharge zone because they don't have enough pump out facilities Um, so there was kind of a measure in hb 201 that in in addition to uh, severely restricting anchoring in addition to the ability to require permits there was this uh effort so to speak perhaps to sidestep that epa regulation and make the entire coastline a no discharge zone so obviously very upsetting to boaters there was a lot of uh Opportunity for public feedback after the law had passed to help DNR know how to best implement this. And when on December 30th, DNR issued an administrative order with the rules for implementation, it became abundantly clear that a lot of that feedback fell on deaf ears. They did not implement permits, but they did um, set the anchoring areas as uh, you you couldn't anchor essentially within a thousand feet of marine structures, which included private docks, included um, boat ramps and things like that. The only exception was 300 feet from marinas. So it was was somewhat counterintuitive. Um, Jack White has been phenomenal. As Scott said, he's a former Georgia state representative. And when he retired from his political life, he did some extended cruising. So he was one of the first people who contacted me when the law passed last year um, and uh, Jack was really serving I would say as our uh, lobbyist um, for free and but Jack also works full-time and is at, based out of Savannah so as the bill somewhat stalled um, Jack had the great advice that it was time to have somebody representing us in Atlanta and he recommended Scott and Scott made huge progress in a very short amount of time um, so we're very thankful for that um, You know, Tell us a little bit, if you can, Scott, um, how did you make that quick progress after the bill had been stalled? I mean, it seemed that you knew how to jump right in and get started and make immediate progress. What did you do first?
1: Well, HB 833 was introduced at the beginning of this session, and it just sat there in the House of uh, Natural Resources Committee. Jack called me the third week in February, and the legislature had already been in session for over a month. And Crossover Day was only three weeks away. And Crossover Day is the last day in a legislative session that a bill introduced in the state, Senate, or the House can be voted out of the place of origin onto the other body. So in our case, what that meant was that we only had three weeks to get a bill through the system and onto the House floor. We really had no margin for error, and we had to really hurry. So the first thing I did was to provide a plan of action to your group of concerned voters. And after a conference call with your group, uh, you guys provided me with a list of concise uh, articles, press releases, videos, and Internet forums that really detailed really well the history and consequences of HB-201. So I spent several hours just reviewing that material and getting up to speed on the issue. The next day, I made a visit to the sponsor of HB-833, who is Representative Ron Stevens of Savannah, who is himself an avid voter. And after my meeting with Representative Stevens, I sent a text message to the commissioner of Georgia's Department of Natural Resources. It was Mark Williams. And I explained that uh, I was working with Representative Stevens to pass HB 833. Commissioner Williams was very gracious, and he called me back that very afternoon. And during that conversation, we agreed to set up a conference call between the commissioner's team, Representative Stevens, your boating team, and me to discuss the bill.
0: Yeah, and I would like to say that, you know, DNR has been somewhat, I think, vilified in some places throughout this process because they apparently suggested the original HB201. They set the administrative order that set that setback at an extreme 1,000 feet, which is, you know, almost 10 times what we see in Florida. Um, But during this process and in the conference call that you mentioned, uh, Commissioner Williams and the DNR staff were extremely uh, fair, accommodating very willing to listen to our ideas, and I think, you know, what, what what that drove home to me is that they're charged with regulating boating, but they're not necessarily boaters, and they don't necessarily understand the need of boaters, so they were very open to our ideas, and I think, um, you know, the process worked well, so tell us a little bit about that process. You know, DNR obviously had to balance the needs of the boating community Um with what the bill was originally intended to do or the law was originally intended to do. Um, So tell us a little bit about how that works.
1: Okay. Well, Georgia's Department of Natural Resources has the responsibility to protect the intercoastal waterway along Georgia's shoreline. And HB 201 was passed last year having the intention of giving Georgia's DNR the necessary legal authority that it needed to accomplish this. But as it turned out, the uh, 1,000-foot anchoring offset in the administrative order associated with HB 201, along with other provisions of that bill, turned out to be very cumbersome. And that caused a great deal of uproar and concern among the worldwide recreational boating community. So the goal of that conference call was to reach out and to uh, find a proper balance, giving the DNR the necessary enforcement authority to do its job, while valuing and respecting the rights of voters traveling along Georgia's intercoastal waterway. So about uh, after three hours or so of conference calling and many emails and texts back and forth, our group came up with an agreement, which is now the language of HB 833.
0: Yes, and that was hugely productive right from the get-go so that just kind of showed me that DNR really was looking for help with this to accomplish what it was trying to accomplish Um, what do you think actually is the problem that DNR was initially trying to solve last year with HB 201 um, that you know somewhat missed the mark because it was very harsh towards boaters what what initially was their purpose there
1: Tim, I think a lot of it relates to the classic conflict of where do one person's rights end and the other person's rights begin. There were reported cases of voters anchoring their vessels for extended periods of time close to the docks of private landowners and issues uh, involving derelict vessels. I believe the DNR was looking for an enforcement solution to help solve those issues. The uh, consensus language of HB 833 is an effective compromise that gives the DNR what it needs to do its job while respecting the rights of voters.
0: Right. And I do want to kind of give a shout out to Ron Stevens. Representative Stevens, as you mentioned, um, is the sponsor of the bill. He is also a gold looper, which means he's completed the entire great loop route. So he jumped in, you know, kind of right from the start when the implementation of HB 201 uh, started to go arise So we certainly um, want to thank him um, for taking action We also uh, should probably mention in this discussion, um, NMMA, which is the National Marine Manufacturers Association, is the other group that stepped in and did have somebody, you know, boots on the ground at the Capitol, and that was um, Lee Gatz, and he's been instrumental uh, working with Scott, too, and you were both there sending us the texts as HB 833 passed the house yesterday. Um, So I think, let's take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors, and then I want to jump into the specific details of HB 833. So we'll be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob Guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud admiral sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Scott Draper. Scott is a lobbyist who is representing uh, the recreational boaters in Georgia at this point on the correction to the existing law at this point that um, sets a 1,000-foot setback where you cannot anchor within a 1,000 feet from uh, shellfish beds. Private docks, um, boat launches, other marine infrastructure, and 300 feet from marinas. So obviously that was pretty harsh on boaters. Um, We are very pleased to say that HB 833 did pass the full house uh, yesterday, which was March 12th, if you're listening to this as a recording, um, it passed on March 12th. That was the absolute, you know, kind of the drop dead day for this session to get this law changed for this year. Um, so HB 33 is the replacement for the existing law that is not friendly to boaters. Um, Scott, let's kind of talk specifically about what is in this new Bill H-833.
1: Okay. Uh, HB 833, first of all, applies to Georgia's estuarine waters. And firstly, it removes the statutory language relating to the discharge of sewage from vessels, and it leaves that to uh, regulation of the Federal Clean Water Act. Next, HB 833 establishes anchorage restriction areas that lie within 300 feet of a marina, 100 feet of a marine structure other than marina, or 500 feet from approved commercial shellfish growing areas and designated public harvest areas, and it makes it unlawful for a person to anchor any vessel overnight within the anchorage restriction areas. It also makes a distinction between short-term and long-term anchoring. Short-term anchoring is defined as uh, anchoring a vessel within one mile radius of a documented anchoring point for up to and including 14 cumulative days in a calendar year. Nothing prohibits a person from engaging in short-term anchoring of a vessel so long as the vessel is not anchored overnight within the anchoring restriction areas. Now, long-term anchoring means anchoring a vessel within a one-mile radius of a documented anchoring point for over 14 cumulative days in a calendar year. So HB 833 makes it unlawful for any person to engage in long-term anchoring of a vessel without having first obtained a long-term anchoring permit from the Georgia DNR under the terms and conditions as the commissioner or designee may prescribe. In addition, nothing prohibits the owner of a vessel from docking at a private recreational dock so long as such vessel is not utilized as a liveaboard vessel. And a liveaboard vessel is defined as a floating vessel or other watercraft capable of safe navigation using mechanical means, sails, oars, or other means of propulsion, which is utilized as a primary residence. And lastly, no part of the bill restricts the ability of vessels to seek safe harbor in the event of dangerous weather or mechanical failure. The reasonable period of time of safe harbor is set to exceed, not to exceed, seven days.
0: Okay, so that's basically what's in the bill, and if anybody wants to read the specific bill language, you can find it at this point by Googling... Um, Georgia HB 833. But let's unpack that a little bit, if we can, to make sure everybody's kind of clear on how this undoes some of the damage from HB 201. So first of all, um, removing the statute references to the discharge of sewage, that's the issue I was mentioning where um, essentially all of the Georgia coastline was becoming a no-discharge zone, even though they couldn't meet the EPA standards for that. This one's a little bit uh, controversial among our members because there are some who think that if we can... You know, eliminate even treated sewage discharge. We should, and you know, essentially that—that's certainly a debatable point. But for our purposes, the Georgia line should not. Tr- the Georgia law should not try to step sidestep the federal statutes. So um, that's that's and DNR agreed with that basically. So that's it. Just essentially X's through the language from the HB two hundred one language um, that made it illegal to discharge treated sewage. So that's where that came from. Um, The anchoring restriction areas, I think, is really a huge win for the boating community. As we've mentioned before, um, HB 201 left DNR with pretty wide power to tell us where we can anchor. This new bill, H33, uh, sets those anchoring setbacks in the statutes. So it kind of takes that power back from DNR and, you know, prevents it from changing um, and potentially getting even worse if a different DNR commissioner came in. So we went from a thousand feet from marine structures um, and a thousand feet of shellfish beds to 150 feet from marine structures, which is the same as we have in Florida. So it also makes it a little bit easier for boaters to understand. Um, And 500 feet from the commercial shellfish bed. And those are, of course, as well as public... publicly designated harvest areas. Um, sorry, designated public harvest areas. Um, so 500 feet from those shellfish beds. And those, of course, are, are waterways we want to make sure remain pristine in those areas because of uh, the food production, essentially, that's happening there. Um, so that was cut in half from the 1,000 feet to 500. Uh, the 300 feet from marinas remained the same. And that is a fair distance from marinas because of the the, you know, constant in and out of traffic In those areas. So again, kind of a huge win for boaters. We can now anchor again within 150 feet from marine marine structure. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say we can now because this bill still has some places to go before it becomes law, and we'll talk about that. Um, But the bill allows for anchoring within 150 feet instead of 1,000 from private docks, etc. I think the short-term and long-term anchoring, as you mentioned, Scott, is really kind of what gives um, DNR some of that teeth that they were looking for To solve what is probably the biggest part of anchoring issues in all states, and that's the derelict vessels and perhaps some nuisance vessels that remain in one place, don't really intend on moving, and are, you know, frankly not good neighbors to both the boaters and the land side homeowners in those areas. And that's where this short and long-term anchoring idea came from. So, you know, to just put it in very simple terms, you can anchor in the same place for up to 14 cumulative days in a year. You'll be considered short-term anchoring at that point, and after you reach that 14 days, you have to move at least a mile. Um, If you don't want to move, that is also okay, but then you do become a long-term anchorer and you need to get this permit from DNR. So, um, you know, I I think from a cruiser's perspective, which most AGLCA members are not planning on staying in one place for an extended period of time, um, it it really kind of makes that fair to balance fixing the derelict and nuisance vessel problem with the needs of the cruising community. So I I think this was a very uh, good compromise On the issues. Um, I did get a question actually last night from someone, Scott, who had taken a look at HB 833 and was questioning um, the documented anchoring point. And I'm not sure if DNR has decided yet how an anchoring point would be documented. Um, I don't know if you have any insight into that, Scott, but I think basically the point is. a documented anchoring point is where a place where you have been anchor, anchored and it may be law enforcement that would document that. I'm really not sure on that point just yet. Do you have any thoughts, Scott?
1: Yes. You know, when we were discussing the, the whole bill with the uh, the DNR folks and this got this idea kind of hatched out, uh, I think the idea was like if, if they can document that a, a particular vessel is anchored like 25 or or, or so far from a certain maybe tree or a certain item, they could document that particular place of anchorage, and so it, it could really be anything at this point. That just something they can attach that that anchorage to and measure. Uh, the law according to it. That's that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah. And I think they may be willing to use, you know, GPS coordinates as well. But, you know, I believe and, and you know, this is Kim talking, not DNR, but I believe they continue to plan for this to be complaint driven. So if they get a complaint, they may document your anchoring point at that point in time um, and use that as the measure of, of making sure that you've moved within 14 days. So uh, some of that I assume will, you know, be implemented through administrative order as we saw in HB 201. Um, but, you know, the big win here is that the, the power that DNR had to have a huge impact on voters was moved back to where it belongs. And that is with the state uh, general assembly. And they set in the statute what that distance needed to be. So, you know, the bill is not perfect. There certainly are a few things that we wish we could change, but we got the vast majority of what voters were asking for, and I'm really pleased where where this ended up. Um, what was the, the final vote count yesterday, Scott?
1: Well, we had a very impressive vote count. We had 157 votes yes and only six votes no. So we were really pleased with uh, how the, the votes came out yesterday.
0: Yeah, so a huge step forward. Um, There are a few steps left before this becomes law, however. So as of now, HB 201 is still in effect. Um, So what happens next to HB 833?
1: Well, as of today, Georgia's uh, 2020 legislative session has been suspended until a further date uh, due to the coronavirus pandemic. So when we do get back, the uh, session will reconvene and HB 833 will now be in the Senate and the process starts all over again. First, we'll focus on the successful passage out of the uh, Senate Natural Resources Committee, and then we'll work on getting it passed out of the Senate Rules Committee and and from there onto the Senate floor for a final vote. And once it's passed out of the Senate, uh, HB 833 will go to the desk of the governor and it will become effective on his signature.
0: So, you know, the typical path that a bill has to take in a bicameral situation where it's passed one part of the General Assembly has to go to the other and then for the governor's signature. Um, So it's still got some steps to take, but uh, indications seem to be that it will have some support in the Senate and from the governor. So this is all good news. Um, Unfortunately, like so many things right now things are on hold um, because of the pandemic that we're dealing with. So that was, um, you know, great news yesterday that we cleared this hurdle because getting it through the house was uh, viewed, I think, by most of us to be one of the biggest hurdles. Um, And then shortly thereafter, everything closed down for a time being. So still plenty of time before um, a lot of members, loopers, and other those who cruise the Intracoastal, still a bit of time before most of them are coming through the, um, the Georgia Intracoastal Waterway. But depending on how long we're dealing with this situation and the uh, capital remains closed, um, you know, it's possible that this will not be finished in time for this year's migration. Um, so please remember that HB 201 is still in effect Uh, We're working to get this passed. Um, Interestingly, and this was by request of Scott uh, and the boaters, um, when HB 201 was passed around this time last year, it was set to take effect, and you know, signed by the governor to take effect January 1st of 2020. That's not what's going to happen with HB 833. If it passes the Senate and is signed by the governor, it will immediately take effect. So as soon as we can get this wrapped up, um, we should see some changes happening in Georgia, and that's good news. Um, Scott, as we wait for the Senate to reopen and continue its business, um, do you anticipate there being anything that the Bowdoin community can do to ensure the success of HB 833 on the Senate side?
1: Well, elected officials really appreciate hearing from constituents. It helps them keep their finger on the pulse of what's happening around the state. So, you know, I would encourage your listeners to let your senators know that HB 833 is a balanced solution that gives DNR the enforceability to uh, – and the authority that it needs to protect Georgia's resources, while at the same time it respects the, and values the rights of voters along Georgia's coast. But I would add that uh, please be respectful when communicating with elected officials. You know, the reality is if they get overwhelmed with uh, a horde of generic emails that all say the same thing, it really tends to have the, uh, more of a negative effect, and it takes away from the integrity of the calls and the message that people are trying to send.
0: Yeah, and I think um, during the process of getting through some of the committees in the House, we did put out a request to AGLCA members and other organizations involved put out requests. And, you know, members are passionate about this issue, and a lot of people did send those emails, um, which I think was helpful, very helpful, and, and it was based at our request, so we appreciate that. I think it started to cross on where it might have started to hinder. Um, so... Based on that, we'll certainly take Scott's advice. If we need to put out another call, of act- call to action, we may taper it off a little bit, or we may specifically ask for members and listeners in Georgia, um, which certainly makes a big difference to the Georgia General-, General Assembly members to hear specifically from people who are residents of that state. So we'll keep you all posted on what might be needed as this happens. Um, Scott, any final thoughts on this process or uh, any thoughts on, on what else our listeners might need to know?
1: Well, I think it's very encouraging. You know, when I first got involved just three weeks ago with your issue, I was really impressed by your group and how passionate they are about their their love of voting. And I'm really excited about how far we've come. I've seen that this really has has reached worldwide. I've seen uh, concerns from South Africa and New Zealand and Europe and U.S. Virgin Islands So I'm really excited and and happy that we're able to get as far as we did so fast. And I really believe that uh, HB 833 uh, has a great chance of getting through the Senate. I've had the opportunity to speak to several senators about HB 833, and I've got a high level of confidence that the Senate will pass the bill and send it on to the governor for a signature.
0: Well, and that's great news, Scott, and, and really kudos to you because until you got involved a short three weeks ago, I think all of us had reached a point of frustration that there we didn't see a lot of support on the Senate side. We didn't see movement on the House side even where the bill had already been filed. So um, you deserve so much of this credit, Scott, and we really appreciate your help with this. And thank you for joining us today on Great Loop Radio.
1: It's my pleasure, Kim. Thank you.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.